stumbled across the honest pod with Carrie Garcia and Shara House where our hope is to create a safe space to share stories that foster healing hope and the honesty needed to live free and fully alive and now for this week's episode of the honest pod and I- Hey friends, I am so excited to be back. We've had a couple weeks where you've gotten to listen to a couple of messages. Actually, those two messages are very near and dear to my heart because they are something that I have just been sitting in the past several months, gosh, eight months maybe. Um, But today I greet you with a warm hello, but sadly I am I'm I'm coasting alone, except for, you know, we've got DJ Ellie Mills is gone. Uh, my beautiful co-host, Shara, is gone. They are taking a little bit of a break. I do have uh, my beautiful husband on the roadcaster dealing with the, the producing of this. You know, we just all, you, you've got to, if you've ever done a nonprofit, if you've ever done any kind of ministry work, you, you wear many hats. This is how it works. So um, the good old Huzzy got a, a tutorial on how to do this on a FaceTime call with DJ Ali Mills, and here we are, um, all because we wanted to bring something to you. I'm coming to you live from my office, uh, which I wish you could see. I somehow finagled my way into a corner office uh, here in Illinois that has two windows and overlooks what I like to call a lake. Apparently, it's a retention pond, but you know what? In my world, it's a lake. Um, it's a it's a pond. It's a fishing pond. Um, it's beautiful. It's just really, really stunning. Um, but here's what I need to let you know. Now, I'm going to do my best not to talk about weather every time I get on here because your girl's, your girl's struggling. I mean, I had to go look for jackets the other day and I look like I'm wearing a sleeping bag from head to toe. It it, like, everyone's telling me to get jackets down to my ankles and it's, it's difficult. I look crazy, but apparently fashion goes out the window when your life is at stake because it's that cold. Um, But I will say, okay, so this week, this particular week is going to be warm. And by warm, I mean, it's going to be like 70 degrees, which that is warm. That's a, that's a warm experience. I have a feeling that these Illinoisans, I don't really know what they're fully called, but I'm calling them Illinoisans are going to be, you know, frolicking in bikinis because this is very warm for them. But here's the, here's the, the catch here is that everybody gave me a warning. Everybody said, all right, Carrie, this is the week. It's warm. You st- I mean, we had one of our coworkers literally take a day off in the middle of this week because it was warm because you have to do preparations. Everyone was like, this is the week you hang your Christmas lights. This is the week that you clean out your garage so you can fit two cars in it. This is the week that if you wanted to do anything on your house, around your house, with your house. If you want to be a human, this is the week to do it because this is the only time it's actually going to be warm until like April 
or even May. I think the last time, I think that's what they said the last time the, there was a snow in April. Anyway, I'm just saying all of this because uh, my my amazing brother's coming into town this weekend. I told him, I'm like, you're coming into town on the only good weekend before the storm comes, before before everyone's in like lockdown and not because of COVID, but because of winter. So we're putting them to work. We're putting Christmas lights up. Is it the beginning of November? You betcha. Are we cleaning out our garage so we can fit two cars? Yes, because can you imagine us being out in the driveway having to clean off our cars? We don't know what we're doing. We'll die out there. We'll get frostbite or gangrene or I don't know. There's some kind of something you get when it's too cold. <laughs> um, so prayers for me. This is, uh, you know, this is, we've all, we all know how I am with weather and it's, and this is the honest part. I'm just being honest with you. I'm just being honest with you that I'm terrified. <laughs> that I might that I might die here. But God loves me. He sent me here for a reason and uh we're going to we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh but I just wanted to lament with all of you out there um those who are in some kind of weather, you get this apparently and if you're in California, I just feel like every time you listen to this you're just going to be so thankful for where you live. Although I will say uh my mortgage is like less than half of what I was paying in California. And I got gas today and I filled up my tank and it was $29. I filled up my tank for $29. So you get the good with the bad. You know what I'm saying? So Christmas lights are going up this weekend. If you uh, want to follow me, uh, Carrie Scott Garcia on Instagram, I do pretty nothing that's very spiritual on there. Um, But I do give you insights into the drama that is Carrie um, on the weather and uh, on my Midwest adventures. So that's where I'm at right now. That's how you find me sitting in my office with the heat turned up to like 72. And I'm looking out my window at my beautiful pond and trees. And I'm just thanking God because he brought me to a place where I got a corner office. So I finally arrived, mom, mom and dad, I made it. Um, here I am. Uh, today, I want to talk to you guys about this concept of holding space. So I this is something that's very near and dear to my heart. I, I use this phrase a ton and I say, um, we need to hold space for the human heart. And so this has kind of gotten um, pushed down to holding space. Are you holding space? And I think we've gotten a lot, I know we've gotten a lot of questions around what does it mean to hold space? When you say that, what does that actually mean? Well, I want to give you a scripture to start off with. And the scripture is Proverbs 20, uh, verse 5. And it says, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Let me say that one more time. The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Now, many of you know my story, um, or at least bits and pieces of it. Grew up in the church, loved God with all my heart, you know, as a young kid. Um, but in our home, um, it was it was a struggle. My parents were in ministry, and we showed up to church every Sunday wearing our Sunday best. And you know, I even worked the projector slides. Uh, that was like the the what is those called, Mario? Like the projector, and then there's the what is that thing? The what? The overhead projector. But then like they had the little clear, whatever. Anyway, 
the, all of you are in your car or listening to this naming what it is, but I can't remember the name of it. But I would literally change out the the choruses, you know, the songs, the verses. And so I was, you know, heavily involved. My mom was on the worship team. My dad preached. I mean, we were in it, right? The problem was, was that on the outside, we looked great. But on the inside, there was a lot of secrets we were we were holding on to secrets that I knew about, but we didn't talk about. Um, so it was like this, these secrets that we, we knew, but couldn't ever name, never could have a conversation around. It was like, we know mom is struggling with an eating disorder. Um, we know that she's struggling with mental illness. We know that, um, as much as my dad was wanting to love us, um, he was very busy with ministry. And I think some of that was an escape for him to be able to, um, not have to deal with what was going on in our home. We didn't know how to deal with it. And I don't, you know, this is, I am such an advocate for church. I mean, I'm literally a pastor on staff at a church. And so I hope that you guys hear my heart that I believe in the local church, I just do believe that if the heart of a man is deep waters, meaning there are these places that, that, that my mom's issue wasn't so much her eating disorder, but it was truly this place of, will anybody be brave enough to hold space for the deeper waters of her heart, to hold space for, am I okay to have this conversation Um about the fact that I'm not okay. And how are we going to handle that as a church? I just read some news today um, about a fellow pastor, one that is quite well known. And he's had to be let go of his position as a pastor uh, because of infidelity. And and I can't tell you when I hear this news, I hope we never get desensitized to the fact that this is happening. And, and the questions that I go to immediately was, who were his people? And why were they not asking the harder questions? Why were they not able, why did he not feel able to be able to talk about the struggles that he was dealing with? The thing is, is that, you know, when the Bible talks that, you know, um, the places of this outward, the, the murder, covetousness, adultery, all of these things happen because of what's happening in the heart means that we need to begin to understand how to hold space better for the human heart. That this is really what I believe we as Christians are called to do. And I think the church does really well at focusing in on behaviors addictions, whether that's, you know, drugs, pornography, um, but we don't really, you know, eating disorders, these kind of big behaviors that we can identify. Um, we, we do bypass over, you know, busyness or ministry being an addiction or um, success being an addiction that we don't really talk about those kind of idols because those kind of idols are praised. But I think what we need to come back to is this understanding of what, when God says that the heart, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, that we need to go beyond kind of this area of private life where addiction, behavior lives, and go into the deeper waters where we really begin to see why someone is 
behaving the way they're behaving, that we hold space for those private areas, that we hold space for those, um, those deeper waters. So when I say this idea of holding space, I think it's difficult for us to hold space for people because we are so quick to fix people. When we want to fix people, it is so that we can keep them at a distance uh, from our own pain. Because in order to really hold space for someone's heart, in order to be able to engage the deeper waters of their heart, we have to have had those spaces held for us. That we have to be able to name far beyond our behaviors, but into why we're doing what we're doing, the harm that has come in those places that have caused us to want to behave this way or to need to behave this way to survive or to get love, that we actually have to have that space held for us. We have to know what it feels like for someone to see us and someone to love us and to someone to look at us and say, I want to know more about your story. I want to know more about where you came from. I I don't want to focus right now on the details of your behaviors. I want to know more about your heart. So when I say holding space, it is really as if um, holding space is our arms open wide saying, your story is not too much for me. And I know that I don't have the power to fix it. That truly Holy Spirit, like that's his job. And us as believers are to be the conduit of really this space for the Holy Spirit to work. That we are providing a room. I kind of um, identify it like this when we talk about metamorphosis, you know, this this idea of transformation, um, that to transform is to metamorphose. It is to become different. And of course, that brings up the idea of the caterpillar, right? The caterpillar is living his life. He's eating his food. He is, he's just, he's getting nutrients to be prepared for what is going to happen. And he then creates this cocoon. And this cocoon he creates, it is a natural instinct that comes to him to create this safe space for him to do this work. Actually, he doesn't do the work. For this work to happen to him, it is by all scientific means, we don't totally know. I mean, there's theories, but somehow a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. It is a supernatural occurrence. And this is what I believe that we as believers and as the church of and the body of Christ are to be able to create this cocoon, if you will, this space for the Holy Spirit to do transformation, for the Holy Spirit to do what he what he does best to to transform. It is it is something that we as humans cannot do. We cannot make ourselves new. We cannot make our mind renewed. This is an inside job that happens by the Holy Spirit. But what can we do? We can create a space for this to happen. We can say that, yes, I see what you're doing. I see what's holding you up. I see the addiction. I I see the longing for man's approval. I see the people pleasing. I see the lack of boundaries. I see the codependency. I see all of these things. And yet, let me tell you that I can love you in this moment and say, can we even, for right now, just for a moment, put that on a shelf and tell me more about your story? Tell me more about these deeper waters. What has it been like for you? Why do you feel the need to numb? 
where has your story taken you to where you have had to protect your heart so much that people pleasing is the way that you get love? Where were you in so absence of good care and, and good comfort that performance became the way that you got the love you needed, got the comfort that you needed. The applause of man became the addiction. You see, and you go, Carrie, I don't know how to do this. Like, I'm not a therapist. I don't know how to, I don't know how to hold space. And here's what is so beautiful about what I believe God has called the church to become. I think it is so beautiful to understand that that he's not asking you to be a therapist, that he's not asking you to fix it, that he's not asking you to have all the answers, that what he's asking you to do is ask questions. Be curious. Don't take someone for face value. Well, you're, you're struggling in this area. You're a sinner, which we all are sinners, amen, uh, that you're struggling with this area. I want to focus in on this area. Let me fix that. Let me give you all the programs to stop doing whatever you're doing. And we bypass and dismiss a heart that is longing to be held and seen and known. Curiosity to say, I want to know more about you. Yes, I get what you're doing is, is destructive. I get what you're doing is harmful. I get, I get that. I get that you feel so much shame around this behavior. And I believe that truly when a heart is held in, in empathy and kindness, that truly behavior actually is the outpouring. The behavior change, the transformation is the outpouring of what Holy Spirit begins to do when we feel seen and comforted. Instead of hiding from the shame, instead of, uh, of doing another shame walk of telling another accountability partner another thing you did wrong, instead saying and looking at someone and saying, okay, I get, I get that you made a mistake. I get that you're struggling. I get that this is harmful. But what happened for you today? Where's your heart today? How familiar does that feeling feel to the story of your life? That we are these people of narrative. We are these people of story that we just didn't all of a sudden wake up one day and struggle with an addiction. That we didn't wake up one day and just go, man, I just need everyone to like me. But when the lights are off and no one's around, we are lost and lonely and hurting and just dying, crying out, saying, will anyone see beyond this private life, beyond this behavior, and see to the deeper waters of my heart. You see, I believe that this is what every human desires. This place of belonging, this place of being seen. The Bible says uh, in 1 Samuel, I got to put my glasses on y'all to be able to see this. Um, 40's been fun. The 40's have been fun, guys. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. You see, people look at the outward appearance, it says, but the Lord looks at the heart. Gosh, I think when I look at the scripture and I see how God engages humans, that, that when he engaged shame, because please hear this, he engages shame. You have to, because shame is linked to the trauma. Shame is linked to the pain. The, the trauma has occurred, and because the trauma, whatever that was, big T trauma or little T trauma, trauma, anytime you've experienced powerlessness, when it has not been tended to, cared for, it moves into shame. And shame is never from God, and God never causes shame. 
that feeling of shame is where the enemy has latched on to a place of your woundedness that has not been tended to, and he has shamed you for it. He has made you feel flawed because of harm that has come. And you've internalized that flying. You've internalized that trauma. And you have made it your identity. And shame begins to build. And we see this time and time again in scripture. I mean, I could name so many stories. The woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, the woman who was shamed for, um, for, having, for bleeding incessantly and, and being on the outskirts of town. We see Zacchaeus who is shamed for what he does for a living. And yes, he was a sinner. And yet Jesus approached him. And he said, I want to see to your heart. I want to deal with the deeper waters of your story, not just your behavior. You know, I think of the woman who was caught in adultery as every man stood there with stones and she's standing at the temple where all of her friends are. Friends, cousins, were her parents there? I don't know. But I do know that the temple was a busy place and this was a town that she was known in. She's standing there naked before God, knowing that this is the moment that her life is about to end. And instead of Jesus judging her, talking to her in that moment, he connects with her before he even corrects her. He sees to her heart. In fact, he defends her. He defends her without even addressing her in that moment, but getting almost in front of her, drawing a line in the sand and making her accusers one by one drop their stones and walk away until it was just her and Jesus. This is God, Jesus, looking to the heart of someone and saying, where are your accusers? Haven't they condemned you? She looks around. They're gone. No, my Lord, they haven't accused me. And he looks at her and he says, I don't condemn you either. Connection, connection to her heart, connection to saying, I will see you as a person before I see your behavior. I will see your heart. I will hold space. He literally cleared the temple of people. If I can't show you another way how to hold space, this is it. Clear away the accusations. Clear away what people are saying. Clear away the stories of behavior. Clear away the shame and say, it is just me and you right now in this moment. I want to hold space for you. Where are the people that condemn you? They have gone, my Lord. Well, I don't condemn you either. And as he looks at her, I can only imagine, because no one could say these words without kindness in their heart, he looks at her and says, I don't condemn you either. Now you get to be free. Go and sin no more. Connect before we correct. Holding space is saying, yes, I get it. There are things that probably are going to need to change for freedom to come. But behavior modification will not lead to heart transformation. Heart transformation leads to behavior modification. And church, if I can just challenge us to say, if we don't start to learn how to sit and hold space for the hearts of the people in our church, we are not going to see suicide stop. We are not going to see pastors stop falling 
and adultery. We are not going to see people change and transform the way we wish that that would happen because we're fighting the wrong battle. We're fighting the battle of behavior. We've got, and I think that, you know, the enemy has his hands in this. Or he just makes, yeah, just keep getting them in another program and another program and another program. They'll fix that behavior, but they'll move to another one. Because when we start naming the places of shame and the places of harm and the traumas that we've experienced in our life, we actually shine light on the kingdom of darkness. And when the kingdom of darkness has light shine on it, it cannot have power anymore. And this is the power of heart transformation. This is the power of holding space saying, I will put aside my thoughts and my feelings about your behavior right now, because what is more important is your heart. Because God looks at the heart where man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart because Jesus knew that if I can reach your heart, I've got you for a lifetime. And the enemy knows that if I can keep you busy on people pleasing and behavior modifying, he knows he can keep you away from heart transformation. Friends, if we're going to be honest, and and this is the place to be honest, and I'm going to be honest with you, we've got to change. We've got to allow our hearts to be held. And I know that's risky. I know it's risky because We've opened up before, and it wasn't held well. We, we, we got exposed just like the woman caught in adultery, and that exposure led to more shame. It led to us wanting to hide and run. And that's why I'm saying to the mighty 11, to my amazing 11 listeners that are on here, can we do better? Can we do better by our stories Can we begin to name the harm that has come to us and not minimize it or compare it to someone else's harm, but begin to name where the enemy has worked in our own lives and begin to say, Jesus, I want you to name this with me. I want you to hold this with me. I want you to carry me through. I am tired of trying to run from shame. I will turn and face the shame. I will hold space for my own heart with you, Jesus, and I will let someone else enter in, whether that's a counselor or a pastor or a trusted friend friend, but allowing your own heart to be held will then in turn allow you to hold the hearts of others. Holding space, becoming the cocoon for transformation to be able to happen in the lives, not a transformation that you can make happen. I don't care how many gratitude journals you have, friends. If anything, we probably need a grief journal (laughs) so that we can begin to grieve and in sharing in our grief, did you know that scientifically, I'll kind of wrap up here because I'm just all preaching today, but that scientifically, that when we begin to grieve and share that grief with a trusted friend, that the parts of our brain that were disrupted in trauma actually begin to heal. It's how God created us, that he created us for community He created us to hold space for each other. It's why when he looked down and said it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, even though Adam was just with Jesus, he needed more. He needed a suitable partner, helper to hold him and for him to hold her. So friends, I I just want to implore you, what does it look like for you to have space held for your own heart? 
What does it look like to begin to do? I know it's hard work. I know it's actually easier to just try to behavior modify, to get your body right, to get your, to get your act together. But if you feel deep in your spirit that you are not living free and fully alive, then I would venture to say there are spaces in your heart and in your life that the, the kingdom of darkness still has a hold on. And Jesus wants to shine the light on it, not for condemnation, but for repentance to bring you back to the places of glory, to bring you to the invitation to this amazing party. And in turn, when we allow this space to be held for our own story and our own lives, we then in turn can hold space for a world that is desperate to know truth to know God, to know that Jesus is for them and that we, friends, will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I share with you to let you know that the purposes of a man's heart is deep waters, but one who has insight will draw them out. Will you step into the places of insight? Will you step into the places of wisdom and discernment of repentance and honesty in your own story so that you can be the conduit, the cocoon, the holding space for so many hearts out there that long to be restored by the power of Jesus Christ. Let's be honest, friends, not only with our own stories, but honest with each other, because I think it is in this honest place that the Holy Spirit does his best work. I just love you all so much. We'll see you next week. are so thankful for the talented Tanya Godsey offering her amazing music with us. You can find Tanya on Spotify and other streaming platforms. And hey, we would love to answer any questions you may have for us right here on the show. So you can send us those questions to hello at thehonestpodcast.com. And as always, thank you for letting us share about the not so easy stories that make us and entering into the honesty and courage it takes to love who you were created to be. So until the next time, friends, may God's love and kindness be an offering to your heart, both now and always.